good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad that you've decided to join us. My name is Jonathan, and I have a, a new friend on the line with me. I've got Carl Thomas. So, Carl, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? And uh, where are you located? Like, where do you live? I am in New Jersey, which is oh boy, not, not a great place to be right now, apparently. I don't, you know. Yeah, just for 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 the listeners, just so you know, we're recording this right at the beginning of April, and so man, we're in the. I, I wanted to say we're in the peak of like the Corona um, virus, but I'm thinking we don't know where that peak is, and obviously, you guys are right in a hot spot. Yeah. So, uh, is your family okay? Are you guys yeah. healthy? Yeah, we're in South Jersey, thankfully, and most of the activity, a lot of the, I'd say. 70% of the activity or more is in North Jersey, closer to New York. Now, they're saying Philly's going to pick up, but we're doing all right. And uh, the good thing is we live in the suburbs and we're, we're listening to everybody in this terms of social distancing. And, and I work from home, so it's not a big deal. So for us, it's been fine. And I kind of, I enjoy having my wife and kids home. So it's, it's been a, it's, it hasn't been a bad experience on the family side, put it that way. That's good. Well, yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited to have you on the program today because uh, I really want our listeners to get introduced to you, kind of just uh, your story, kind of who you are, and then and then I'd love for us to kind of dive into uh, just really where God's brought you in terms of ministry and specifically the the value and the importance of community when it comes to guys getting off of porn or other sexually addictive behaviors and uh, kind of some some things that you've put together that help guys do that. But first. Um, help us get to know Carl. Like, give us the uh, the Reader's Digest version of your story. Because I just realized probably half of our audience may not even know what Reader's Digest is. Um, I you're keep dating, dating myself. Yeah. Every time I say that, I'm like, yeah, people know how old I am. Yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But anyway, just give us kind of the synopsis of your story and what got you involved in this kind of ministry um, of helping helping guys get off of porn. Uh, so I'm late 40s. We'll just say that. And, uh, I, I started looking at porn when I was a kid before the internet boom. I'm so thankful that it didn't happen. I, I didn't get into it at 12 when it, when it was the boom, because gosh, I think I would have been even in a worse situation, but struggle with that all through my high school years and the college, it got bad. Unfortunately in college, I was kind of living the way I wanted to live. So I didn't really think it was a bad thing. I was like, no, this is great. Um, then started getting a little more serious about God. Met my wife, brought it into my marriage. Unfortunately, so contrary to what some guys like to think, it doesn't get better just because you get married. Mm-hmm. And hid that from her for several years. Finally, told her about it uh, right after the birth of our first child. So I had great timing there when self-esteem for her was super high. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that wasn't a good move on my end, but it is what it is. And then I went through the next three years of kind of up and down, up and down, not really winning, not really completely losing. Just what I like to call it is like the reverse binge and purge cycle. You know, you, you purge and then you binge and you purge and then you binge. But, um, and then it just, the, I think for me, what made the difference was I would call it like the perfect cocktail. I just, a bunch of things happened at the same time. I, I heard a message from a friend of mine who's a pastor in New Jersey, actually about, getting all in and being all in with God and got fired up there and I got some time under my belt and then I kind of fell back into it. But then there was an outreach 
and without getting into too much detail, was an outreach at a sex convention, like kind of way outside the box. And I've always been a fan of out of the box evangelical ministries. So stupid me, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a place of, of, of a porn addict should go. So I emailed him and I'm like, hey, can I join your team? And I don't know what the heck he was thinking, but he's like, yeah, why not? And I, there's a hundred reasons why not, but he didn't happen to ask me any of the questions. So, you know, I said to my wife, I think I need to do this. And she's like, you sure? That sounds really dumb. I'm like, yeah, I just feel like I need to. And she said, all right, I'll support you. So God bless her. So I'm doing that. I just get in a seminary. I, I, I was in the insurance profession for 17 plus years. But I felt like God was saying, Carl, you need to go into ministry. He didn't tell me anything more than that. Not that I heard his audible voice or anything. But So I start going to seminary. I drop all this money on seminary to start. Um, I just got a really solid accountability partner for the first time in my life. So that was good. And just kind of everything came together. And uh, on this, there was a training meal for this trip. And so I'm sitting there listening to these guys and I get talking to one of the men that work with the organization and I ask him, Hey, what do you do? And he says, Oh, well, I do a lot of things, but the one thing that I do the most often, which is uncomfortable or not necessarily the fun part of the job is I have to, I work with a lot of pastors who are struggling with this stuff. I'm like, well, why is it a problem? He's well, cause I, I end up having to tell a lot of them, Hey, like until you get back on track, maybe you should step down or, or just take a hiatus for a season and get your life back together. So, you know, you're whole before you start trying to help other people. And I was like, oh. and I was like, oh, geez, that really? And I, I had read all the verses in Timothy and Thessalonians about the quality, but it just it never sunk in. And he starts quoting it. And then in the back of my mind, he had no idea that I was dealing with this stuff, obviously, because I'm on this trip that a porn addict shouldn't be on. <clears throat> but in the back of my mind, like he's basically saying, hey, Carl, you just dropped all, all this money to go to seminary to pursue this calling that you're really not ready for. What, what are you doing? And uh, yeah, it just, I don't know. It was a light switch kind of moment. And I'm not one of those guys that believe, I, I'm not saying it can't happen, but anytime I hear the guy that says, yeah, I just got tired of struggling and I prayed and he took it, God took it away. I always like raise my eyebrow and go, that's funny. It doesn't normally work like that. Um, so it wasn't that because I had been struggling with this thing for years. It was more of a, it wasn't like a magic fairy wand moment. It was more of a massive shift in my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I just also, I connected my, my life's destination, shall we, shall we say, or my life's purpose with this thing that was kind of holding me back. And prior to that, it was always like a very temperament, like a very temporal thing where, Hey, if, I want to go look at porn, but maybe I shouldn't. What are the pros and cons? Well, the cons are I'm going to feel a lot of shame and guilt and feel real dirty. You want to kick myself. But the pros are, well, the pros are self-explanatory. And unfortunately, more often than not, the pros went out over the cons because the cons were very, it's a very temporary thing. But then when I started weighing out the pros and the cons and the pros were, hey, uh, yeah, we know what the pros are, but the con are, the cons are, you're going to put your entire life on hold. Like that's a really big, shift in values right like uh now the value proposition has suddenly lost all appeal like there is no value proposition like my entire life on hold for 30 seconds or a minute of fun that's a pretty easy decision for me to make and uh that just was kind of like the beginning and from there on it it just kind of snowballed and then i ended up getting a job with the same ministry i worked with them for seven years ran a bunch of programs taught some video courses for them 
Uh, and, uh, and then I launched a new ministry last June. Yeah. So I want to, I want to camp out a little bit on just the, the length of process um, of what happened in your life. Cause sometimes I don't think we talk about this enough, at least not into, not in a hopeful way with other people, you know, because what I just heard in your story was a culmination of something that took, sounds like over 20 years yep. to develop in terms of finding like what you said your calling was. Um, talk, talk a little bit about that, about just how you can encourage others who are feeling like they're stuck or they're hopeless, or they wonder, is there ever going to like, is the page ever going to turn where somehow, you know, I'm not just in the binge purge, binge purge, or you know what I mean? Cause what yeah. I heard, in your, I mean, obviously in a matter of just a few minutes, you covered decades. Yeah. Um, so what could you say to the person out there in wherever they might be in their story where they might be feeling like, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm feeling a sense of hope when you're telling me that kind of the journey you've been on to get to where you're at now mm -hmm. is multiple decades. What would you say to that person to try to encourage them in, in the fact that there's good that happens even in that process, even if you can't see it? Yeah, I would say that just because it took 20 years doesn't mean it has to take 20 years. Mm. You know, it, it could take two years or it could take three years. I think for me, and I think for most men, because I'd say for most men, it is like this really lengthy process. And I believe that the reason it is, is because it takes us time to kind of put the pieces together. And sometimes like that critical piece that you really need to buy into or really understand until you understand it or until someone explains it to you or something, whatever, you know, until something hits you on the head and like all of a sudden you get it. Uh, that, that can be the thing that holds you back. So, I mean, for me, the first thing, the biggest thing for me was, and I say this to guys all the time, is like step number one is you got to ask yourself, do you really want this? Because if you don't really want it, if, if you're just doing this because you feel guilty or you're just doing this because you want to get your wife off your back or you're just doing and if any, if everything was different and you could just keep looking at porn without anyone knowing you would be happy to do so. Yeah. You're, I don't think you're going to make any real progress. Like you got to get to the point where you actually want to be free of this stuff. Right. Yeah. So, and for me, that was probably the first 15 years was at the end of the day, I just didn't want it. You know, I was first 10, I embraced it. Second five, it was more of a begrudging, like, I know I should get rid of this habit, but I really like it. And then maybe the last five or six was, I was in that stage where I started really understanding how much I wanted it. And then, so that's the first thing, you know, I'd say you got to get there. But after that, yeah, a lot of it's just finding the tools and realizing like, okay, understanding the aspects of like why we need community, uh, you know, how faith plays into this, but also how, how brain health plays into this and how some of these other things come into, uh, come into the picture. And when you start to make, connect the dots, all of a sudden you'll find that things can change for you a lot quicker than you might have thought. Uh, the funny thing for me is I got free and up to about probably even two years ago, if someone asked me to describe how that happened or why that happened, I would have a hard time. I'd have a hard time summarizing it other than just telling them the story. But if, if it was like, well, Carl, what was the reason? Right. Uh, 
Well, the reason was, and I could tell him about the idea of like, I knew it was holding my life back, but where's the theological backing for that? Or where's the scientific backing for that? Like, it, it sounds good, but how does that work? And I would say only recently through studies and things like that, have I realized, oh, this all makes sense. You know, yeah, I have values and my values determine my measures of success. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I was operating outside. I was operating primarily through my, let's just say my limbic side of my brain, where it was just like, Hey, if this feels good, I'm going to go after it. And then as things progressed, I started to operate more on the other side of my brain, whereas now is weighing things and understanding that even though this feels good, it doesn't feel as good as where, where I want to be at some point, you know? Right. So, and I think you're, I think you're hitting on something too, that is important that we remember. There, there's two things I want to say. One is touching on the idea of how you, at one point in time, you told, said in your story, you almost had kind of this really utilitarian, you know, view of, of why you should or shouldn't be looking at porn. Like, Hey, let's do a pros and cons and all this. And I think as long as guys are sort of stuck in that mode, they're not getting to the rooted, like they're not getting down yeah. to the issue of like, like what you were saying, you got to eventually truly want in the depths of your soul to be free. And that's not something that I think you can just flip a switch on. There's a lot of variables that happen in that. But the other thing too, that I think is important about what you're saying is transformation is not um, this singular, like linear category. No. Like, okay, let's just, let's just talk about brain health. And think that if I get my get a healthy brain, then I'm going to be a godly man of integrity. It's like we're more complex creatures than that. We have an emotional system. We have a spiritual. You have a spirit. We have biology. We have all these components. So what I'm hearing you say is there's got to be a much more holistic view. Yeah. And that's why I think you said, well, it might be a little bit complicated for me to say, like, how'd you get free? Yeah. Because all these things are converging sometimes at very different times and at very different paces. Um, and then next thing you know, if you've been working towards this, um, this journey of, of freedom, then what happens is you look up and you realize, oh, I, I, I'm walking in freedom. Right. It's not like you could say, you know, on January 3rd at 5 p.m., you know, uh, that's when everything changed. Now, some people I think can have watershed moments. I've had some watershed moments in my own story where it was like, boy, there was, it was sort of a lightning bolt moment. But even, even after every single one of those moments, there's multiple variables that have to be worked on. So it wasn't like, hey, even though I had a watershed moment that said, okay, today is the day that I have to decide to enter recovery like get serious about recovery. Well, guess what? The next day when I entered recovery, I got to learn what accountability is and how to see a counselor and, and all these other kinds of things. I got to get healthy physically, uh, you know? So there were all these things that came post the aha moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to talk to you about now, because one of the things that you really key in on in terms of not only in your personal life, but what you do in ministry has to do with establishing healthy community. So help us understand why the community is so important to a man's recovery and how would you define that and what are the variables or what are the, the principles or the, the key you know, essentials to creating a good community? Okay. Uh, well, I mean, community, in terms of the value community, I'd say I tell people it's, there's multiple things, right? I mean, if you're a Christian, 
that's pretty clear in the Bible. I mean, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite verses, although I can't, I'm, I'm terrible with like references and quoting. I always give like really bad paraphrases and say somewhere in, I'm really bad, but uh, was in uh, limitations or no, the Jeremiah, but the, the person that finds himself alone is in real trouble. <laughs> Gosh, I'm butchering it. But anyway, that's like one of my favorites where he talks about like, Hey, Hey, you know, if the guy that, falls when he doesn't have anyone else with himself he's in real trouble because there's no one else there to help pick him up right yeah it's ecclesiastes there you go yeah i knew it was an old testament (laughs) book i got it yeah um so that's huge right it's like the bible understands this but obviously just some people don't go that say well okay it's in the bible but so what like but i would say scripturally obviously that's a huge component i mean we we know that community is important with god right that's Mm -hmm. that's obvious but then there's also, I would say, the psychological or biological, really, factor behind community. And the fact that when we are with other people uh, in a like-minded, supportive community, it actually makes us feel better, right? It, it helps increase things like serotonin and, and all these things that have a huge impact on brain health. And brain health might sound like something really technical that's kind of like, what do I care about that? But brain health is everything when it comes to like decision making and deciding, you know, being able to make logical, rational choices versus just going with how you feel in the moment, right? It, that's all about brain health. So that's important. Uh, but for me, honestly, the thing I'm starting to really understand or see, appreciate, whatever you want to call it, is the fact that I think the, one of the biggest things, at least in terms of what we're doing with community, is helping guys break out of the shame. Because for me, from what I see with this stuff, shame is honestly, I don't think we give shame enough credit for how big a piece it plays in this whole struggle. Not only from shame keeps us from seeking out help, uh, shame keeps us from actually feeling free, even years after we've found freedom because we don't feel like we can talk about it without people thinking less of us. But even shame, honestly, at the end of the day, has a lot to do with the reasons that we have these pains to begin with, like these, why are we using porn in the first place? Cause we're shameful about the person who we're shameful about who we are. We, we don't have this going for us or that going for us. We don't have enough value. We're not worthy of love and that's all shameful stuff. So shame really sits at the center of all of this. And when you can work with people in, in a positive supportive community where there's no condemnation, just encouragement and maybe some healthy challenging shame goes out the door. And for me, I think when guys say, hey, what's freedom look like? I say, well, it's not just freedom from necessarily the pains. It's not just freedom from the behavior. I mean, those are obviously huge, right? You can't say you're free from porn if you use it every day. Right. Uh, you can't say you're free if maybe you gave up porn, but you, you swapped it out with alcohol to numb the pain. Like, you're still not free, right? It's just a different addiction. Those two things are obviously critical. But for me, I'd say you're not a hundred percent free until you get to that point where you could say, Hey, yeah, I dealt with it and I'm done and I'm good. And if, if you got a problem with that, that's, that's kind of on you. That's not on me. I'm good. I'm good with it. You know, I'm not proud of it, but I'll own it. And I'm not, I'm not embarrassed or shameful about the fact that I had this struggle. Yeah. I I dealt with it. So yeah, shame is definitely something we deal with in a big way. In fact, in our, in our three day workshop that we do for men, we dedicate an entire session 
just to the issue of shame because it is so huge. And, and uh, my co-host on the radio program, uh, Stephen Cervantes, he's a counselor. And I love the way he put it. Like when he got to a point in his own life where he realized, you know what, I, I'm driving a stake in the ground. I'm driving a stake in the ground as it pertains to my integrity and my purity. And the way he put it is he said that stake contained three statements, no more lying, no more hiding and no more shame. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of how, what it boils down to. Like, if you want to be free, you can't lie anymore. You can't hide anymore. And you better say no to shame because you're right. It, it has this, I've seen guys that behaviorally, they have stopped looking at porn or behaviorally, they've stopped whatever their behavior, the behavior is, but they're still locked in this prison of internal shame. And I'm kind of like, man, it just, it pains me because I'm going you're not experiencing the fullness of what's available. Yeah. It's not just about stopping behavior. So talk about that a little bit about how community can help men to see that the goal is not only to just stop a negative behavior, but it's much more than that. How does community help a man realize the much more part of freedom? Well, I mean, first of all, when you're in a community with other people, in theory, you're going to be with a bunch of people that are in different stages of life. So that's good because you can hear from the guy that may be a little farther down the road from you and can give you some perspective on things that you really have no idea about. Like you're just thinking theoretical, right? Uh, I mean, that's I actually had a group today with a bunch of guys and I said to them, it's like, you know, the, the crazy thing for us when we're dealing with porn addiction is like, I can picture pretty tangibly what being rich would be like. I mean, I'm sure I have some, I'm sure my picture is not entirely accurate, but I could, I can tangibly picture that in my mind. I can tangibly picture what being super fit feels like, or, or this feels like, but if you've been looking at this stuff all your life, since you were 12, like you've never ever existed without this stuff. So like, how can you, how can you really picture what it looks like to live a life without porn? You know, I know for me, I know for me, like the, the day that, the day that I, that's, that the idea of me being free really set in was I was in the shower and I'm showering and I just thought to myself, I was like, you know, I haven't thought about porn in any way, shape or form for a long time. And that, that was like, Whoa, that's what freedom's like. Because for all of my life, I thought about porn on some level, literally every day. And I think most guys that deal with this do, it's either, I can't wait to look at porn or how do I schedule my day so I can look at porn? Or, holy crap, I hope I don't look at porn today. But you're thinking yeah. about porn on some level. And like to get to that point where you don't even think about it, that's crazy, right? So, And I, would, I want to make a prediction about what you just said about how you thought, hey, you know, I hadn't thought about porn in a long, long time. Um, my prediction is, is that didn't mean that your head was completely empty now. No. No. So I think some guys, they have this mindset, if they are to try to dream of what freedom looks like, they just have a vacuum. But yeah, what no. I would get, what I would predict is that your mind was very full. It just wasn't full of porn anymore. Right. So you had, you had replaced your, the, the focus of your mind and the things that you were yeah. intent on, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. We t I tell guys in our community all the time, it's like porn is, is way less about not doing a bad thing, bad thing. And it's far more about doing better things. You mm -hmm. know, um, you know, the Bible with, with the, 
Jesus talking about the uh, the guy with the demons and like how you kick one demon out and then seven more move in and like the thing that you miss in there is like he kicked it out he cleaned his house but he never he never filled it with anything mm-hmm. it was just left empty so they move right back in and you find yourself in a worse situation than you were to begin with and I think how often when you struggle with porn do you see that stuff but it's like oh I, I held on for three days but then I binge for five right or, um, I, I locked down all my devices and I, I threw the computer in the trash can, like in that movie. And I did this and I did that. Uh, but then as soon as I'm done locking my world and insulating myself from, from, from the risk. Now the next thing I'm off doing is trying to figure out a workaround. Yeah. You know? right. <laughs> and then when right. you find that workaround, you're on there 24 seven. It's like, you're dude, you, you didn't replace it with anything. You're just, you're only focused on getting rid of the bad habit, but you're not worrying about the good stuff in life. You know? So you're absolutely right. It's, it's about replacement. It's not about the bad thing. Right. It's, and when you say that's why the, that's why the don't do it message never works. Right. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. one of the, one of the things that we say in our ministry is we say that feet follow focus. So even if you say don't, whatever's on the other side of the don't you're actually focusing on. So yeah. if I say, don't look at porn today, don't look at porn, don't look at porn. Well, I'm actually still focused on porn. Yeah. So naturally my feet, my behaviors are going to eventually move in that direction. Yeah. So I like what you're saying because it's like the same thing. You're, you're, you're focusing on something that's better and yeah. you're learning to train yourself in that direction. Now, Carl, we've only got a few minutes left, but I want, I want you to share with our with our listeners, sort of what this has culminated for you in terms of ministry, as far as how you're providing space for people to be part of these kinds of communities. Can you share with, with us a little bit about, about your, uh, your ministry? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we have uh, something called Live Free. It's livefreecommunity.org. And we launched an app. We also have a small groups program too. But I had worked in, like I said, I worked for another ministry for many years. I, I ran, I was the COO for a while. Um, did a ton of different stuff, workshops, all this other thing. But over the time of doing that, one thing that I just, whether it was just what I saw or what was really happening, but from my perspective, the thing where I was seeing the most life transformation happen was in the small groups program where people were actually interacting with each other. It wasn't in the workshops where they're doing it on a computer 12 o'clock at night or in the afternoon by themselves. It wasn't the accountability software. Not saying those things aren't good, but life transformation was happening with real humans interacting with each other and sharing mm-hmm. and challenging each other. And so I know how important it is from leading groups myself. I mean, I lead a group, I've been leading a group specifically for pastors struggling with this for close to five years now. And um, so I know how transformational it is, but I also know that most resources when it comes to pornography from a porn user's perspective, carry a heavy cost, whether it be financial or whether it be just exposing yourself, no pun intended, to yeah. other people. Like, oh, I have to be vulnerable. I have to tell people about this dirty little secret. And man, that's, that's scary. If, if, if you're in the beginning stages, like you don't want to do any of that. So I said, man, there's got to be a way to like get these people, these men. And I mean, I know it's a woman's problem too, but I'm a man and I can speak to men. I don't, I don't even try to pretend like I can tell a woman how to run her life, you know, but Right. I'll, I'll be happy to talk to a guy all day long. So I just, I just know my lane. Uh, I said, how can we create an area or space for men to start this process without shame, without guilt, 
um, without a bunch of condemnation and let them see that, hey, man, talking about this stuff, it's not that scary. Like, it actually is very freeing. It's a good thing. Like, getting people in your life that are rooting you on rather than beating on you is such a game changer. So how do we do that? Well, I know. Let's launch an app and make it really cheap and give them as much value as we can. Uh, you know, when they're in there and let's, let's, you know, whatever it is, content and community and let's just, let's give them as many resources as we can and, and set the, set the bar for entry so low that you pretty much have no reason to say no other than for the fact that you really don't want it. Right. Right. And, yeah. uh, so that's what we did. And we launched it in November. Uh, we're close to 800 members now, which, you know, it's considering we were only probably five months old. It's not too bad. And we're growing uh, 8 to 10% every month right now. Um, the metrics inside of what we're doing, like I know what we're doing is working because I was talking to our developers who actually manage a bunch of networks of their own, like hundreds of networks, not porn recovery networks, but business networks, this network, that network. And uh, I was talking to them. I said, what's our engagement levels like? Uh, I could have looked up the analytics, but I was feeling lazy. And she said, oh, let me check. And, oh, something, something's wrong here. I said, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know. It says you have a 75% member contribution rate. I was like, that sounds good. Is that good? <laughs> and uh, she's like, yeah, I think something's broke. Because <laughs> she literally, she's like, because I work with a bunch of networks. Like, I'm a network coach. And she said, our goal is to get them to 30%. So right, yeah. I know we're doing something right when we're like two times in – what their benchmark is. So we're doing something good. And you know, the, I get messages every week from different guys. I mean, I got a message just as a couple months ago, but I remember one guy joined and he sent me a message and, and the message was really simple. It was like, Hey man, just want you to know this app is saving my marriage and got talking to the guy through direct messaging. And it turned out that his wife, his wife was pretty much out the door. Mm. And then when she saw him get involved in this and She's seeing how much he's like actually interacting and how invested he is in this. Like she's changed her mind and she's like, all right, I, I think you're serious about this. I'm going to stick around for a while. So that's great. So I know we're doing like, I know what we're doing means something, you know, and I'm not going to say that community is a be all end all. Like you said, there's all these different things. Like you can, you can be a community 24 hours a day, but you're not going to a counselor. You're not figuring out what's going on up here you're still going to be stuck. You're just going to be stuck with a community. Yeah. But I think, well, end all, I also think it's essential. Like, I don't think you can really a hundred percent get to freedom by yourself. Like you've got to have other people involved on some level, whether it's a wide community like ours or a few close friends, but there's got to be something. So Carl, how can people get uh, access to the app and learn more about uh, your resources? Just, just go to livefreecommunity.org and uh, there's a sign up. There's signups there. You can sign up for a month. You get a little discount on the annual. Uh, we also have on the website something called the 10 Day Freedom from Porn Action Plan. That's entirely free. So they can sign up for that. It's an e course where we send them um, a step each day that kind of helps them build out their, their action plan for finding mm -hmm. freedom. So it's not a, we don't pretend like, hey, this is the be all end all course. It's like, no. In my experience, I've seen like one thing that most guys are lacking is any sort of plan. They're just kind of right. winging it. So the purpose of this is to help you understand the, what you were talking about.
how multifaceted this thing is and then giving you some exercises in the workbook to kind of, okay, oh, I need to go do this. Oh, maybe I need to go talk to a counselor. Oh, maybe I need to join a, you know, a support group. Oh, you know, so yeah. that's the purpose of that. So that's entirely free and uh, it's all available at uh, livefreecommunity.org. That's great. Well, Carl, man, we would really appreciate your, your story, your calling, you know, the work you're doing with men and we'll be sure to include all of that, the link and everything in our show notes. But uh, thanks for spending time with us today and for uh, just blessing our listeners with your story and with uh, your ministry. Thank you, man. I appreciate being on. It was awesome. Yeah. And listeners, of course, we're always grateful to have you with us. Uh, please reach out to us. You can connect with us at puresexradio.com or on our Twitter feed at puresexradio. And we'll see you back here again next time on the program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.